Welcome to the Circuit of Success Podcast. The Circuit of Success Podcast. With your host, Brett. Brett. Brett Gilliland. Brett Gilliland, Visionary Wealth Advisory. Brett Gilliland. The Circuit of Success Podcast. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland. And today, I have the privilege to interview Craig Baruvi. Craig, how we doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. You are, uh, how's the weather there? You're in Philly, right? Yeah, it's uh, cold. We got snow, so we got snow on the ground, and but it, it's fine. It's not that bad, but it's uh, you know cold, and yeah, snowy, and uh, you know it's, they're not. We don't get that much here, but once in a while they get some snow, and you know the weather. It's uh, you know this time of year it's pretty cold. And yeah, normal been, weather uh, for uh, the winter time around Philly area. I think we're on day four of zero degrees here in St. Louis. It's been brutal. Yeah, it's chilly there. Very but chilly. They get they get cold weather for a bit there in St. Louis. That's right. Not as cold as Philly, probably. Well, you are, uh, like I said, Craig Baruby. You played in the NHL from 1986 to 2003. 1,054 games, to be exact, over 17 seasons. You were known as the uh, the enforcer, and you were also the uh, the former coach of the St. Louis Blues and the 2019 Stanley Cup champs. That was amazing. I'm sure we'll dive into that. Uh, but before we kind of dive into all this stuff, Craig, anything uh, I just want to ask you, kind of what's made you the man you are today? I know that's a big question and pretty open, but there's always some uh, some details in there that I don't I can't find in my research. Yeah, I think just you know you got to be motivated for sure to um you know become a, a an nhl player and you gotta you gotta get some luck too along the way um i think that you know i guess when i went and played junior hockey i realized there there might be a future at some point and, um to move on into to pro um i was never drafted but my last year junior, I was signed from the uh, by the Philadelphia Flyers as a free agent. Um, and at the end of my junior career, I was still playing. Uh, the Flyers came down and watched me. And there were some interest in about three or four teams, and I chose to uh, sign with the Flyers. Um, I felt like the way I played and, and um, how I needed to play to to turn pro and to be a pro player that that was a good fit at the time. Uh, which it worked out well, um, but I think you you got to have people in your corner. You got to have people that are pushing you um, in the right direction and, and to help you along the way. And I had that, you know, I had a coach in junior that really helped me a lot and um, turned me into a good junior player and um, to push me to to where I need to be pushed to. And I was always the type of guy that I accepted. Um, I guess uh, constructive criticism. Well, I accepted what I needed to, to do to become a better player, um, you know. But again, you need some people in your corner to help you. Um, you know, I think that every year after the a season in the NHL, when I went home in the summer, I wanted to improve and. Uh, in the off season. And I think I took that approach with the, my training. I always came in great shape. I always tried to be, tried to get better at some point because I wasn't over, an overly talented guy, uh, under talented, I would say, but you know, 
I had the work ethic. I, I liked working. I didn't, that didn't bother me to work hard and to, to be competitive. Yeah. And then I think, you know, as you go along in your NHL career and your plan, I took every year coming into training camp that I had to win a job. Yeah. And I probably did a lot of times, you know, I had to go in there and prove myself year in, year out. Um, and I think I just really enjoyed being a part of a team and my job, you know, what my job was to be part of that team. And I think that's important because my job wasn't fun, but at the same time, you know, I got a lot out of it. You know, I, I felt accomplishment out of it. Yeah. Heck yeah. Did you, were you the guy, did you leave home early and go and do the hockey thing when you were playing juniors or was yeah, it 16? Yeah. It's 16. Okay. Uh, there was a guy, uh, John Van Hordick was a coach of Williams Lake, British Columbia. He was coaching a, a tier two junior team. That wasn't major junior is one step below. And me and two other guys from uh, my hometown around where I lived, we went out there and made that team. We all played together that year. Wow. He was a real impact for me in my life. You know, I think that he took me to another level that I need to get to and to um, push me. And he, he's, he was, he's really important in my life. And we're still close today. You know, I still see That's him cool. and talk to him. And, yeah, he, he was great for me. He really um, pushed me to, to get where I needed to go. I bet your uh, hockey coach loved your high school hockey coach loved the fact that he had three guys would have been on the team and they leave to go play juniors. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't so much in Canada. We didn't play high school hockey really. We okay. were on uh, teams, you know, outside of like I played my hometown. Um, so we always played for teams not in school, you know, outside okay. of school. Got it's it. bigger in the states. The, the high school hockey is a lot, a lot bigger in the states than it is in Canada. Okay. Okay. Got it. Well, good. Well, um, so talk about that upbringing. I mean, was that something in your mind? Did you always have the goal that I'm going to be this professional player? Like, like what was the grand plan maybe when you were that 16, 17 year old, but maybe yeah. before? Well, I think growing up in my town, a uh, very small town, my dad, my uncles were big into hockey and sports, you know, as all Canadian kids, I would say are, you know, sort of into it or yeah. it's around a lot for for sure, right? Because everybody plays it. My dad and all them played hockey. Uh, my dad played till he was eighty years old. I wow. mean, he, yeah, he, he, you know, he was a real, he was a good athlete. And uh, my uncles, they all played, and they all, they all helped and pushed, and they took care of us, like, like uh, practicing, like we practiced on a pond outside of our uh, farm, you know. Uh, my uncle would clean the clean the ice for us, and we'd have practices out there. And, you know, we're always on the ice skating or playing. You know, going to the rink late at night when uh, nobody was out there and playing shinny hockey. You know, me and my cousins and friends. So we were always playing hockey, and you know, I th I don't ever think I thought about playing pro. I just like, you know, playing game. and and being around the the guys and love the game you know yeah so known as the enforcer um i think i read you are seventh all time in penalty minutes nice work there uh nice work there coach or chief as they call <laughs> you right that's a lot of penalty yeah. minutes so so talk about that mental toughness so you've got a lot of business leaders that listen to this podcast and i always like to compare sports to business 
Um, talk about that mindset. When you went into a game, not necessarily having to worry about the penalty minutes. I don't think we need to worry about, you know, getting penalty minutes here at work. But but there is a mindset, right, that goes into that, that I want to be aggressive. Yeah. I want to play. I want to compete to win. How can you compare and contrast those two things from the hockey rink to the business room? Yeah, um, you know, I think that, you know, you, you go into every game knowing your role and what your job is. And um, for me, my mindset was not to let the team down. Not, you know, and, um, you know, like I said, you, you got to go out there and fight and scrap and battle and all those things. It's not fun all the time. And, you know, you're going to be banged up after games and things like that. But my mindset was not to let my teammates down. And that was really my, my you know, really drove me, I think, throughout my career. I knew my job. I knew my job for my teammates and what I had to do and for our team. And I think that I didn't want to let them down. And again, you know, I had a love for it. And I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't want it to end. I wanted to keep going and keep playing. And I think, you know, that was a big part of it all for me. Motivation. You know, I was motivated to in, in that way. Do you think you had self-motivation and that was kind of just in your soul or is that something that did you need out outside exterior stuff to stay motivated? Early on, I needed outside pushed. Okay. Like, uh, I think, you know, I had to be pushed to, to, to get to where I got to. And I, again, like my coach, my first coach in Williams Lake, John Van Horlick, uh, he really did that for me. Like, you know, with um, teaching me, toughness teaching me what i needed to do to to pursue a career um helping me in those ways i mean we you know we had the gloves out all the time you know boxing and things like that we had a trainer there he was a golden gloves boxer and i was actually fighting amateur fights throughout in 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 the season that year wow because i i became a real good boxer and he taught me how to fight and you know i um ended up getting pretty good at it and that that really helped my confidence on the ice with my That's what job I, was I had ask. to do yeah yeah um so that's interesting you don't good. think I, about I, the fact I, that you gotta go yeah, learn to be a better story. boxer <laughs> well i mean the fight's in you you know it's in you but you know i think that i um i always was trying to get better and i think you know the boxing and um that type of training really helped me help my confidence and uh helped me become a better fighter for sure um going forward and, and then pursuing that nhl career my job was to you know i had to drop the gloves and do that job on the ice and that wasn't all the job i had to do you had to play the game but i that was a big part of my game for sure yeah so i watched it the other night i was at a hockey game and, and i watched the guy make a move and you you knew like he made the kind of the dirty move but then he just kind of backed off because he knew his guy was coming in. So, yeah, I didn't grow up a hockey guy. And, and, uh, but, but I'm, I'm interested on that fact is like, you know, the closer, right? This guy's coming in. He knows. So, you know, going into it, your job is, okay, I'm going to go in here and then I'm going to start the fight. Even though the other dude started it, I'm going to finish it. Like that was just the name of the game. Well, back when I played, I think enforcers were around to protect teammates for sure, because the game was a lot different back then. Um, there were some pretty pretty brutal hits and, and things that went on. And as an enforcer, your job is to go and handle those things and take care of them. If somebody took advantage of one of your teammates and uh, to protect your players. And, and uh, also, you know, back when I played, you know, a good, a good fight or mixing it up, 
could change the momentum of a game one way or another. And I think, you know, that was part of it too, to understand what, you know, when you had to change the momentum of a game. Um, so that was, that, that's, that was a big part of it all, you know, just going out and fighting just to fight, which I did. Don't get me wrong because, <laughs> you know, that was just, you know, you, you start when you, when you get going in your career, that was, you know, you felt like you needed to do that a little bit, Yeah. but as your career, as it went along, you know, I really understood how my job worked and, and when to do it and when not to do it and yeah. things like that. So you learn over time, you know, but I think early on you want to establish yourself and, you know, make everybody uh, pay attention in a league that New you're New sheriff here. in town. You know? Yeah. It certainly gets the crowd going though. I mean, if you want to get the, well, if you want did, to get the crowd yeah. out in, right? Yeah. Fans love it. I mean, obviously the game's changed and it's changed for, for better. The game's yeah. way better now, but um, you know, back then, like in Philadelphia here at the old spectrum, you get in a good scrap. People, <laughs> they loved it. You know, they loved it. Going nuts. That's awesome. Um, talk about culture. I mean, culture again, boardroom to the, to the hockey team. I mean, culture is huge, right? So how, how do you focus on culture? How did, how did that play a role as a player and as a coach for you? Yeah, culture is huge. And I, when I came to Philadelphia, there was a culture there already, um, you know, in Philadelphia, how, how you have to, how you have to perform and how you have to play and, and what's, what's the most important thing that culture was there. So I, I got a good lesson in culture right away coming into a team like the Flyers who were very good, competitive. Yep. You know, my first year we went to the Stanley Cup finals against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, that was a winning culture. And there was, you know, a certain style of play and attitude that you had to have um, to be part of this team. And if you didn't have it, they would, they would move on from you, you know. And that culture is very important. Um, you know, in St. Louis there, we had a great culture. Um, before he even got there was, you know, Ken Hitchcock and Doug Armstrong did a great job of building that culture there of, you know, hard work, competitive people playing good defense and playing for the team. And so when I went there, I just instilled more of that. And um, that was the culture of the St. Louis Blues, you know, blue collar town and, you know, kind of a workman like blue collar team. And yeah. that's how we that's how we played and had success. You know, we outworked other teams. You know, we had to be more competitive. We, we probably weren't as talented as a lot of teams, but we were highly competitive and we, we outworked teams and we played a certain style. And, um, you know, when you play that certain style and you have that identity, you know, you can have a lot of success without all the talent. You know, you, right. talent only takes you so far. Um, you know, it's team play, team first mindset, hard work, competitive people that, that win championships. You know, I, I say this a lot on the podcast, but there was a, a buddy of mine, his grandpa, um, Joe C., he told us one time we were young bucks, right, trying to make it in the financial world. And he said, you got to put – or he said, success only comes before work in the dictionary. You know, that's always stuck yeah. with me, right? To your point, you may not have been the most talented, man, but you guys worked your tails off and you made things happen and, and you know, Stanley Cup happened. So, so one of my questions for you too is, and I think about this from a standpoint of, you know, I've got a lot of experienced advisors in our firm. And so I think about that compared to a, a hockey team, 
you have the best, most talented people at what they do, right? Their sport. They're in the NHL. Those are some of the best hockey players in the world. Not some. They are the best hockey players in the world. Like, how did you find it to inspire them, motivate them, coach them, lead them when they're already the best at what they do? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you, you get talented players that come in the league and they're young guys. And I think that, you know, it's one thing to um, be a very good player night in and night out, get, get points um, and things like that. But success isn't based off that. Success is based off um, championships. Success is based off what the team, how the team's doing, you know. And I think when you got young guys coming in the league, it's important that, you know, you have to grab them and mentor them and, and get them to be highly competitive people, hardworking people that goes along with their talent. And if you can get them and get, get them motivated and get them playing in the, in the right direction that way, that's when you can have real success. Yeah. Did you find um, accountability? Was but it's hard. It, it's hard, though. Because players coming in, you know, they're young. They get paid lots of money early on in their careers. Um, they've had success, you know, whether it's junior college. Um, and, you know, they have people in their corner that are always, you know, point driven, you know. Yeah. And sometimes you got to sacrifice the points for success of the team. And that's, as a coach, it's important to mentor these guys and get them to buy into that. Because when you get that buy-in that way, then you can have success as a team. Yeah. I just watched a podcast you were on recently, and you talked about one of your old teammates uh, on an open net, just flicked it to the corner. He said, I'm not scoring on an empty net, right? Is that the yeah, mentality you're talking about? Well, not so much that. I mean, if you got an empty net, you're, you're going to seal the game. You should. But <laughs> that's uh, that guy was ally afraid. He was, pretty, he was quite a character I played with uh, in uh, Washington. So – yeah. So how how much did accountability play a part in that when you're talking about to those players, motivate them, inspire them? Was accountability there? And if so, how did you handle that? Yeah, accountability is important for sure. And it's important that the team holds each other accountable probably as much as the coach or more. I think as a you know, that's where leadership comes in on your, your hockey team and your leaders, you know, maybe it's two guys, maybe it's four guys, maybe it's five. You know, I think different teams have, you know, a certain amount of leaders. Um, it's important that your leaders uh, really hold each other accountable and hold players accountable. Um, that goes a lot farther than the coach. Now, a coach yeah. can hold a player accountable in a number of different ways, ice time, um, maybe scratching from the lineup, things like that. But when your teammates are holding your holding you accountable and holding themselves accountable, you get a lot more out of it. Yeah. For sure. And then, you know, again, you know, it's, um, I always put it like mentor, coach, command. You know, the mentor part of it is the most important thing. Uh, mentoring young players, how to become leaders and, you know, mentor young players um, to learn to put the team first. That takes time. It doesn't just happen overnight. It takes some time to do that. That's great. I'm just writing that down. Mentor, like you could, coach, command. You can command all you want, and it's not always going to get through uh, to players. And, you know, commanding is, you know, barking orders and, 
and all this stuff. It works for a, it works for a little bit, but that'll go away. You need to mentor players, then coach them, coach them in the right direction, teaching them how to play the game properly and things like that. And then there's times you're going to have to command, but that should be the, the third one. Yeah. I like that. Talk about analytics in sports. I mean, again, it's hockey, it's football, it's baseball. You know, I, I was watching, I don't know if you watched the, uh, your Philadelphia Eagles there the other night, fourth and five, right? Yeah. They say analytics say go for it. And it's like, why not put three points on the board? You know, so I, I don't know. I watch that stuff. It frustrates me. Um, but, but from you have been at the highest level, what do you see analytics doing in hockey and other sports? And do you like it? Or yeah, I know it's important. Yeah. I like it to a certain point. It's not everything. Yeah. I think you can look at teams in the NHL right now. They probably don't have the best analytics in a lot of areas, but, you know, I'm not going to name teams, but I can tell you there's some teams at the top of the leaderboard right now. Their analytics aren't great in a lot of areas, but they still win and they're still winning. Um, they're a tool that you need to use um, for certain things. They're, they're, they are important. Um, in some aspects, but they're not everything. And I don't yeah. think you need to get tied up into them totally. But I think you need to look at them. Um, I think there's some real good ones out there, analytic-wise, uh, that are important. But again, um, sometimes they don't always match up with your team and they don't always match up with how you're playing. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just think, again, yeah. going back to that Eagles game, I just it's one of those things when you see they just didn't have a lot going at that time. They felt I felt like they needed points. And, and again, I understand right. analytics. I'm in an analytical industry, but sometimes I think in sports we overdo it. And it's like sometimes you got to go off gut feeling. 100%. That's important. Yeah. I yeah. think as a coach, your gut feeling is very important. And sometimes you got to look past everything and go off your gut. That's what I do too. I mean, I've done that a lot. I mean, I go yeah. off my gut more than anything. But, um, you know, different sports, like I don't know, you know, in football and baseball and those type of sports, um, I know that baseball is a real analytical sport now. Um, but I don't know a lot, enough about it to really comment sure. too much on it. I could just comment on the hockey side of things. Um, hockey's a fast-paced game, and you don't have time to really think too much it's a reactionary game, um, and it's important that your team understands the system real well. But at the same time, you think in today's game, it's important to be really aggressive and, and you know, puck pressure, skating, um, not thinking so much, playing the game and um, within your system more than analytics. What um, when when you look at your coaching career versus your playing career? So a buddy of mine, Brett Lane, is a huge hockey guy, big Blues fan, and, and big fan of yours. And he he said he wanted to ask a question. He said, "Do you know? Did you notice a change in your philosophy when you started to work with the younger generation of hockey players? Like, did that change over time?" I think so. I think what I tried to do is change um, my mindset a little bit on on how we won and how we were successful for a few years that way. It was a certain style of play. Um, and then we got different players, younger players, uh, more talented players, um, more talented players with the puck, better skating players. So I tried to adjust a little bit with them on, on how they've had success playing the game 
now it works to a certain extent, but you know, I, I'm not sure that, um, you know, I think that I had to drag them the other way a little bit more, you know, into what I, what I thought, how the team was going to have success. Um, and we, you know, we had a, we had, um, we had a couple good years that way with it, but we didn't win, you know, we ended up falling short. Um, but again, I think you got to adjust as a coach to what kind of team you have and what kind of players you have. So talk about, you know, the circuit of success here is the name of the podcast, obviously. And, and so it's easy to talk about our successes. Was there any, did you have anywhere in your career, again, as a player, as a coach, or just as a human being, you had that aha moment of that failure that actually, you know, it probably sucked in the moment, but yet when you looked at it, you learned a lot from it and you move forward. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think you failed more than you have success throughout your career, whether you're a player or a coach. You know, I think, um, you know, you learn from your failures, failures and, and when you do fail and things don't go well, you got to, you know, the next day you come in, whether you're a player or a coach and, and you look at things and understand what went wrong and what you got to do better. Um, yeah. That's part of it all. I think the best players in the world at any sport, they do that tremendously well. And they understand Listen, I wasn't very good last night. This is the things I didn't do well. I look at them. I got to be better there. I got to do this better. And the coach is the same way. Okay, what could I have done better last night as a coach? You know, what did we not do good enough or well enough? You know, what what have we got to change? Things like that. And it's okay to fail. And I think you got to you got to realize that you're going to fail more than you're going to have success over time. And you know, you just you got to learn from it you got to try to improve and that's all we that's all we do i mean i'm still trying to i'm still trying to get better as a coach and and learn from things right now i'm not working watching a lot of hockey trying to uh you know grab new ideas and things like that and and um what i would do better going forward what would you say your daily habits are like no miss items for craig baruby if i followed you around are there things that keep you sharp mentally, physically? Well, I like to, I like to, I like to train, you know, um, you know, I think that's important is getting a good workout in and training, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to take care of yourself and, and, uh, with the training and eating properly, you keep yourself sharp in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, on the, like when I'm coaching, you know, you're at that rink at uh, 6, 6.30 in the morning, and, and then, you know, you're getting after it with the coaches and preparing, you know, practice plans, video, and all that before the team gets there. And then for me, you know, when I was at the rink and the players started rolling in, I would be out there. I love chatting with the players. I think communication is really important. You know, whether I'm calling a guy in the room to talk to him or I'm just – walking around um, the weight room and their lounge and talking to players and associating with them. And it's not always about hockey. It's about their life and what's going on. I think that's really important as a coach is to have great communication. Um, You got to let your hair down a little bit with your players. And, um, you know, so, and then, you know, once we, we hit the ice for practice, we practiced. And then after practice again, you know, you're just around the rink there with the players uh, they're having meals and things like that. So you're, you're, uh, you know, hanging out with those, those guys a little bit and 
then you'll then the next day you're you're a little bit getting prepared for the next day whether it's a game or another practice yeah yeah communication that i think that relationship building is that, that's what that's what matters right it's not always like you said it's not always about hockey it's not always about work man how their family's doing how they doing mentally uh, yeah that's, that's no our relationships are huge in sports um in any in anything i think uh, relationships are really important and uh you know your players gotta want to come and and be excited about coming to the rink and yeah. be excited about practice and be excited about getting better and trying to get better and um you know there has to be a good relationship with your coaching staff for that to happen yeah amen to that so let's talk about the uh 2018 2019 year you probably never get tired tired of talking about that but what what was the mood what was the atmosphere what was the locker room like uh, when you come in, you take over the St. Louis Blues, obviously before that season, yeah. but then leading into that season, what was it like? Well, I think there was a lot of um, where do I fit in type of thing. And I think that uh, we made some tra trades that uh, summer, signed some new players. So there was a little bit of a role issue. Where do I fit in on this team? And everybody was trying to find their role. So – we really didn't play well as a team. And then they made the coaching change. So that was the first thing I wanted to do. And I talked to the team about it is the roles of the team and accepting your role and doing what's best for the team. And that's what I talked about and kept talking about it and kept talking about it. Um, to me, that was the biggest, um, you know, break in the locker room that had to be fixed. Um, it wasn't broken. It was cracked a little bit, and we had to fix that. Um, that was important. I think, uh, you know, there were system things and, and, and things, how we were playing the game that I wanted to change, and I slowly changed those because just changing the system right away, it's going to have players not playing. They're going to be thinking too much. You're not going to have any success. So it took a little bit of time, um, but I think that once uh, we had – guys buying into the roles and and um you know doing their jobs out there the one change and was a big change that i made i didn't feel we had an identity line you know a, a line that was going out there every shift night in and night out and playing to a, a real identity of how the blues need to play the game so i um i grabbed alexander steen who was a pretty high-end player very intelligent player, um, played the game properly, 200 feet, did everything right on a nightly basis. Very good communicator with everybody, great leader. And I grabbed him and I said, listen, we need an identity line. I need you to play with uh, Ivan Barbashev and Oscar Sundquist on the line and create an identity with those guys. And... Um, you know, his leadership really showed something that day because this guy was, you know, power play, number one power play guy, played on the top lines. So he was being moved down wow. to a bottom line and um, probably going to lose some power play time and things like that. But he just looked at me and said, no problem, I'll get it done. And that changed the culture, you know, it changed the mindset of everybody. When everybody saw that and everybody saw the commitment that he made to doing that, you know, it changed changed a lot in our locker room. 
And then, and then that line going forward was an unbelievable line for us. And I mean, we would not, we don't win without that line. We don't win. We don't win the Stanley cup without them. That's how important they were. Um, and um, so that was a that was a real important thing that happened for us. So let me interrupt on that. So so think about that as a leader again of an organization. I think a lot of times we go into this big meeting and we get nervous, right? We get this fear in our mind. Oh, I got to have this tough conversation. Like, what was that for you? Getting ready to go deliver really bad news for this guy, basically, right? So like leading up to that meeting, yeah. what was it like? I mean, you, <laughs> you know. I, once I talk to the coaches about things and what I'm thinking and what I want to do, I ask what their opinions are uh, first. And sometimes you're going to get, yeah, it's a good idea. Sometimes they're going to say, no, you're crazy. But again, you go off your instincts in your gut. And uh, my gut was to do it. And listen, conversations, you're going to have tough, tough conversations with uh, a lot of players. Like you're going to have tough conversations throughout your life with your family and things like that too. You know, that's just, that's something that has to be done. And yeah. for me, if it has to be done, I'm just going to go do it. And like um, it. sometimes sometimes the conversations don't go very well. You know, I've had plenty of conversations with players that, you know, they're pretty heated and, and battles. But when they leave, they're okay. And I'm okay. And we move on from it. Sometimes things are said in there that aren't very comfortable and they're, they're not nice things either. But again, you just, you gotta be a man. You gotta move on from it. It's part of the part of sports, part of life. You know? <laughs> I love that. Very matter of, you just gotta do it. You gotta rip the bandaid off and go do it and have the well, big yeah. conversation. And I think that's, you know, I've had plenty of players reach out to me and, you know, you know, they they just respect my honesty and they love that. And yeah. it, it's an on, honest, honesty is the, for me, it's the best thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. So that 2019, 18, 19 season, you started out 15, 18 and four. Um, you were last in the league. You went then 30, 10 and five with the longest winning streak of 11 games in blues history. What changed? What changed in the mindset on the ice? Yeah. Well, I think we were playing some real good hockey. Um, I took over, I think, towards the end of November at some point. And we're into December, and we're playing some real good hockey, but we weren't getting enough wins to, to get back to where we needed to get to to, mm -hmm. to be competitive down the stretch. Uh, Jake Allen was one of the goalies, and um, he was doing good. He was doing his job, but we needed another guy. And um, Jordan Bennington came up and played. Um, and I knew Benner from the minors a little bit. I coached him for a bit. Um, very confident person. Um, I remember he went by me and I hadn't played him yet. He was up practicing. I hadn't played him yet. And he just, he came by me on the ice at the end of practice and he looked at me and he goes, just so you know, I'm ready to go in and do the job whenever you want me to make the call. And I said, oh, that, you know, that's good to hear. And, um, I played him, I played him in Philadelphia, I think early January, like right at the beginning of January, he won the game three, nothing played him again, won again. You know, I think that that was a big part of changing everything is getting that other goalie in there and down the stretch, we had a great one, two combination. And, uh, 
you know, Jake Allen really helped out Binner a lot, which was important. Um, Jake Allen's a great team guy, um, you know, and I think those two really had a good one-two combination. And, you know, once I, I like, like I said, once we got uh, the room straightened out and started playing the game with the way I saw we needed to play it, you know, we it was hard to beat us. Yeah. Very hard to beat yeah, you guys. really hard to beat awesome. us. Did, did you I have any the adversity moments? that – Go ahead, uh, sorry. I think going through ad, adversity like we did for a while really helped us uh, in the playoffs too because in the playoffs you're going to lose games where maybe you shouldn't have lost and things. They get, but you have to understand you're going to play again right away and you got to move on from that loss or the win and get focused on the next game. Short-term memory. Um, yeah. Any any locker room moments or any any kind of one you know the quote unquote speeches, whether it's from you or a, a player that really stepped up, you know, toward in the season or in the playoffs, they said, okay, that was a big one. We needed that shot in the arm right there. Yeah, I had a I had a meeting one time. I got pretty heated. It got pretty heated in the room. Um, really went after the team. You know, I was visibly very upset and pissed off um i think it put a jolt to our team pretty good and i think that you know that that was a big uh, big moment in in things that changed you know um again i think that you know alex petrangelo our captain really took a hold of the team you know i can't really give you when exactly he did that but he really started to um grab a hold of the room along with Alexander Steen and handle things in the locker room. And it wasn't always me coming in there and handle them. Mm-hmm. And those guys took over the room and they handled things that need to be handled. That's important. You know, Huge. anytime you can get that, you know, that goes a long way. Cause I, I would remember a couple of times I'm walking down there and Petro, I call him Petro Alexander, Alex Petrangelo, I call him Petro. He just said, I got the room because he knew, you know, I was coming down there. And it's the same thing you. on the bench with uh, Alex, with Alex Steen. You know, he, he, he heard me getting, you know, worked up about something or at a player and he just turned around. And I got it. And, I, you know, that's what you need. Uh, that's huge. It's huge for the it's culture. Huge. Huge for the culture. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's important. Very important. Yeah. Let's, well, let's talk about game seven playing the Boston Bruins. Uh, big game, obviously. Uh, thank you, Captain Obvious. But walk us through that day, that morning, that game. Yeah. Uh, let's not go to the end yet, but let's just talk kind of that morning, that day. What was it like for you? Yeah, I'm going to talk about game six, first of all. So okay. we beat them in game five. We were up, and we could close the game out in game six at home. And I drove to the rink. I got there pretty early, or a little after three or something. And I mean, the people outside the building <laughs> and um, the excitement and everything, you know, I kind of knew already, like, that – this is going to be a tough game for us because there was a lot of expectations on the players and the team to win tonight. You know, everybody's expecting you to win and uh, you know, it makes it a lot tougher. And uh, I'm not, I don't know if it was everybody, but 
probably 90% of the players have never been in this situation, yeah. you know, never been there. And so we went out in that game and we kind of stumbled early and took some penalties and we got scored on and the game fell apart on us. It was almost like it was, it was weird because it was a little bit of sense of relief on the players. Mm-hmm. And the next day rolled around, you know, the mood was really good. We get to the morning skate game seven. I mean, we were loose as you could get out there. I mean, the practice was great. Guys were talking and really, really uh, excited about the game tonight, you know. It was a totally different mindset. And um, so I felt pretty good about things going into game seven. I, You know, it's going to be a tough game for sure. They're at home. They're going to come out hard right away. We all know that. Right. But, again, we bent a little bit early on, but we didn't break. Benner made some real good saves for us on a on a penalty kill. They had a power play. It was one penalty in the game. We got the penalty in the first period, and uh, he made a couple of real key saves. We went down and scored the first goal. Then we got the second goal, and uh, you know we were we were pretty solid after that. I'll tell you what, we didn't give up much. We played a really good game. So talk about that clock right you see that clock running you know you're up uh at what point uh was it the final buzzer at what point did you start yeah. to think holy for crap, me it was the final buzzer. Happen. yeah i was you know you never think it's over i don't anyhow you know oh, right so i'm grinding i'm grinding back there and guys are kind of getting a little chuckle out of me because we're i grew up four one there's like two minutes to go and <laughs> you know i'm barking and stuff and you know i'm I'm pretty pretty intense still. <laughs> like, come on, well, coach. Yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, I don't want to take anything for granted, and uh, kind of wanted to make sure guys were focused still and not thinking about the end. Yeah. But when that final buzzer goes, it's uh, you know a real sense of accomplishment for your players for me more than anything because they're the guys that go out and do it. They play the game. The, it's all about them, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, you got you coach them and you try to direct them the right way and do those things. But I felt a real pride for the players, proud of the players, how they performed. Um, you know, that that was the biggest feeling for me that I got after the yeah. buzzer went. It's amazing. Yeah. How, how much of the, the St. Louis – the pride, the love of the blues, the LGB, like all that stuff, man, the weight of the city on your shoulders, as they say. Right. But like seeing that parade, seeing the, the love for the St. Louis blues. I mean, what was that like for you as the leader, obviously for those guys, those players, but also for a city. Yeah. Never no, I felt, yeah. It felt great. I mean, um, you know, St. Louis is a great sports town. Um, the people are, fantastic the fan base is fantastic both for uh the blues and the cardinals um they love their sports as much as any place i've been and that parade was a lot of fun i mean just to see the crowd and how excited everybody was and again you know it's it's a great feeling it's a great feeling to be on that stage and you know the cup and everything and um you know i i just felt great for that city to be honest with you like they were waiting a long time for this and they, they finally got it. And, um, 
it never ends. It never yeah. ends, to be honest with you. I mean, this year got people coming up to you and talking about that year and everything and, you know, winning the cup. And, um, you know, it just, it's just, it's, uh, like I said, it's a great town. The people are awesome. Yeah. Well, you'll be talking about that the rest of your life, you know? So, uh, the, the, the real question is you wonder how many beers were consumed that day between the team and all of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Too many. <laughs> there was a lot. How'd you feel the next day, right? There's, oh yeah. There was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was a great awesome. time. Really good. Awesome what did you time. do with the, uh, what'd you do with the, the cup the day uh, you got to keep it? Yeah. Yeah. I spent the, I sp in St. Louis, I, I spent a couple days with the coaches with the cup. We took it to a couple spots, had a real good time with it. You know, I think that's uh, really important for me anyhow, because you're, you're, you're there every day with those guys. You go through a lot. I love my coaches and, um, I thought it was important to spend a couple days with the cup doing that. And then I brought the cup to my hometown, nice. um, which was a lot of fun. I brought it to the arena, uh, the hockey rink there. And I just, you know, anybody that wanted to come and take a picture with the cup and, and things like that, they could. And we did that for a couple hours. And then I had a party at our farm where I grew up with all my uh, cousins and uncles and everybody. Yeah. It's about 200 people. You know, we celebrated that day with the cup uh, and it was, you know, it was a lot of fun seeing my dad and my uncles ho uh, hold that cup and everything. You know, they love hockey, boy. They love it. Um, so that was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And then I brought, I got a chance to bring the cup to Philly too, which was great. And, um, you know, got together with a bunch of people here and celebrated with the cup here in Philly. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, last yeah. question for you, man. When you look back at your journey you've had, and it's been an amazing journey, like I said, 17 seasons, a Stanley cup champ as a coach. Uh, when you look back, what are you most proud of? Um, I don't know. You know, that's a good question. I, I mean, obviously winning the Stanley Cup is, uh, the, you know, that's as a player and a coach and being involved in a game, that's the goal, right? Yeah. Like every year you come into a season, whether you're a player or a coach, you know, that's the goal for the most part is to try to win. So winning that cup is obviously a, a huge thrill and um, great accomplishment by everybody that was involved in that uh, winning season. But, you know, I think just for me, probably most proud of never, you know, never uh, taking my foot off the gas. Like I, you know, like I said, as a player, you know, I went, I went to every summer and trained and thought I had to go prove myself again. And I, I really, push myself and as a coach I do the same thing I'm not you know I'm not satisfied I guess uh, I want to keep keep going I want to I want to win again yeah um I want to get involved with another team that's um has a great culture and going in the right direction and wants to do the right things and be part of that um you know I'm I haven't been out that long and I already miss it. You know, I want to, I love that. I love that grind every day. Yeah. I think, you know, that's for me is the greatest accomplishment. It's just, just the motivation to keep doing it, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think I'm motivated that way and I don't know when it'll go away.
but right now I don't. It's not gone away. <laughs> There's a lot of gas left in the tank for those people listening. A lot of gas. You got it. You got a guy. I got a guy. I can already tell, man. He's gonna go do great things, and I know the city of St. Louis will be rooting you on, man. No matter where you're at, and I know great things will continue to happen for you. You're a good dude, and I really appreciate you being on the circuit of success. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, out to St. Louis fans and people, I love you, man. You guys are great. I love it.